morning, George. How are you? Morning, Charlie. Very well, thank you. I'm very well. I've been away uh, to the Lake District, which I know is home territory for you. And it feels like I've been away for weeks. It's been it's quite nice, actually, kind of getting out of London. How long were you away for? It was only three nights, but actually um, <laughs> just kind of getting getting out into open space and uh, some fresh air. We went, did a few really lovely walks, um, took in some of the scenery and ate some very good mm. food. So yeah, I'm 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 well. <laughs> I'm now back in London. Did you get some Kendall mint cake? I didn't, but my biscuit option uh, is some gingerbread. Oh. Not now. I know Grasmere is the classic gingerbread, but we actually got this gingerbread from Ambleside, so just next door. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm sat here with my cup of tea okay. and a bit of gingerbread. Well, I'll take uh, that's fine. Gingerbread from Ambleside is totally yeah. acceptable. Good. I'm glad. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I went away last weekend, which was really nice, to the countryside. Um, but more importantly and more excitingly for everyone involved, particularly considering the medium of this podcast, I've had my hair cut. Oh, that is important. Yeah, and everyone can see that. They can hear it in your <laughs> voice. <laughs> they can hear the lightness, the bounciness. Yes, the weight of hair has, has disappeared. It's lovely. <laughs> It's been lifted. No, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, welcome, everyone. This is Archers and Tea. This is a podcast where George and I discuss the latest episodes of BBC Radio 4's rural soap drama, The Archers. Um, normally, we'd be meeting up, uh, chatting about it, having a cup of tea and a biscuit. Uh, but because of the, the interesting circumstances of late, uh, we've been talking virtually. Well, we are talking really but it's online and we record these conversations and we let you have a listen and grab a cup of tea, grab a biscuit and relax while we discuss what's been going on in Ambridge. Absolutely. You've covered everything there. That's a, that's a, that's a, have I? That's a real thorough introduction. I enjoyed it. Thank you. But it's not virtual, is it? Like it is actually happening, but it's, vir- oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know it's what you mean. It's just not though. in person. Like, yeah. It's like when you meet somebody for the first time over over online and you're like, oh, nice to meet you, but I haven't actually met you. So you say, nice to virtually meet you. But yeah, I know. I know the quandary. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. Oh, language. <laughs> well, let's start with Monday's episode. Well, absolutely. I'm sure you're keen to start with Monday's episode because we had a Harrison start. A Harrison start. Yes. I was obviously naturally very pleased. Um and also really excited that he's been asked to go on the radio by Susan uh, to talk about the day in the life, a day in the life of a policeman. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I'm quite listen- looking forward. I was quite looking forward to listening, listening to that later in the week and hearing that went on. But he do- he, he has sort of dub- double booked himself because he was meant to be having a date night with oh, Fallon. Yeah. And he's now got to do this, this, this interview thing, which I, I was slightly thinking, well, how long is the interview going to take? Can he not just pop into the other room for ten minutes? I don't know, <laughs> but but that would there wouldn't have, wouldn't have been much a story if that was an issue. He's just not as experienced, you know, as making uh, at making radio as we are now. Absolutely, uh, so he doesn't know that it doesn't actually have to take up the whole evening. Yeah, but maybe it's because it has a sort of time pressure because Fallon um, they want to have dinner, wine, but also watch some theatre that I think is being streamed online. Ah, uh, yes, you're right. So maybe that's what will clash completely. Yes, what was it they wanted to mm. watch? I can't An remember. Inspector Calls. Yes, an Inspector but not. Calls. Yeah. I don't know whether he got the name wrong or whether it's a sort of reimagination of the play. Yes, it did. Yes, it sounded like quite an interesting one. <laughs> so, yeah, I sort of, you're aware, aren't you, at the start of the week? You're like, oh, this is going to be, he's going to be juggling this throughout the week. How's he going to balance it? How's it going to work mm. out? Um, so that's a nice kind of, Nice foundation laid early on. Yeah, you're just like, I see. Yeah. You know what's happening now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we had, so I've, on my notes, I've just got pub logistics <laughs> written down. Because um, they've put in a, put, they've kind of, it's um, Kenton and Jolene are sort of mm. are reopening the pub, um, mm. which is obviously, which is, which is timely with, with as, as ever with the Archers kind of real world happenings and, and pubs and restaurants are opening up. So they've kind of put in a load of, um, what is it, uh, COVID, COVID secure um, things. Uh, mm. So they've got, what, they, what have they got? They've, they've got screens, oh, screens up around the uh, tables. 
That's right. They've got um, people get a temperature check when they arrive. I went to a pub last weekend that had a one-way system around the pub. <laughs> so you could come in one door, go through, order drink at the bar, and then out the next door. So that never, nobody ever crossed, crossed paths with each other. But if you then forgot to go to the loo on your way through, you then had to go over a second circuit all the way around. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, 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 you know, people are putting in a lot of, um, you know, a lot of thought into how to make these things, these workable and safe. And I think also primarily make customers feel comfortable in coming mm. and and um, patronising. Is that? <laughs> Oh, yes, patronising, isn't it? Patronising, not being a patron rather than patronising. But no, I I think it is the same word. Um, (laughs) But when I, uh, yeah, when I went to the hairdresser, it was like that. And and you're right, it was both comforting to me and also made me feel that I wasn't putting, you know, my hairdresser in danger or anything like that. So I thought it was, um, thought it was very good. Very good. I think it's interesting, isn't it? I, I was thinking about this entire week of episodes, and. I thought two things, George. But one, there's a there's an interesting um, you can see the interesting moments where there's a storyline that I think might have been in the Archers had there been no lockdown, and then the storylines which are now you know completely new as a result of lockdown. And of course, this stuff with the pub is wouldn't be there at all, would it, if it wasn't for lockdown because it's in, mm. it's directly connected to it. And it sort of ties into the public service broadcast aspect of the arches that they need to adhere to. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking was that it, it, I feel like this week is all about sort of relationships, cup, you know, love, couples, um, and how we kind of navigate that, the, either new relationships or relationships that have been going on for a really long time. Um, and then also our perceived ideas of ourselves, you know, what we who we think we are yeah that's really yeah absolutely that's really nice mm. I love that yeah definitely and so with with this one we've got this this long-standing relationship between Jeline as uh, Lillian would say <laughs> and Kenton and how they're sort of navigating life in lockdown and they seem to be doing really really well generally they have quite a lot of fun don't they but then um they also kind of I don't know, they, they quite enjoy locking heads, don't they, and, like, getting one over on each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and with this, obviously, the big thing this week is the peacock. Um, because as we remember, Eccles, the old peacock, which used to get on Kenton's nerve no end with its kind of squawking in the morning. No, squawking, is that the right word? I don't know. It kind of does a... Is that... <laughs> How's that as a peacock impression? It's almost like a door squeaking. <laughs> um. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you. That was truly really excellent. Um, but, uh, ah, lost my train of thought. No, um, so Eccles, Eccles, who used to annoy Kenton, um, was killed. Um, and then there was a bit of mystery as to who had, who had run over, or oh, sorry, hit, hit Eccles with the car. And it turned out it was Kenton. Um who he did it what and it was an accident. Uh, he didn't do mm. the records. But now um Jeline has had a message from Elizabeth saying that they've got some peacock chicks. Um so they want <sighs> she wants to get a replacement Eccles, which obviously Kenton is not happy about. So uh, that's no. kind of set up this brilliant sort of, you know, yeah, competition between the two of them, see who's going to win out. It's almost farcical, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you know, we know that farce in theatre requires a lot of physical stuff and uh, you can't necessarily do that on the radio but it's got the kind of the the tropes of a farce you know everyone kind of like making a move and then that backfiring and then making another move and then that backfiring and it's quite a fun little uh, through line for the week I thought. Yeah absolutely that kind of I guess element of looking out for themselves like they've you know they've got their own interests in, at heart and trying to win over mm. uh yeah you know, get one up on on somebody else's uh Mm. Yeah, because Kenton, Kenton then texts Elizabeth and is like, "Absolutely not, Elizabeth. We will not be having a peacock." And he thinks Elizabeth and Jolene have cooked this sort of up together, um, and he reckons it's a, a plan that they've got. 
So mm. he's he's already sticking his beak in. Um, very good. Should... Very good. <laughs> I stole that from the episode. I think Jolene uh, says that Kenton sticks his beak in with Fallon oh, yes, and Harrison no, right. yeah, because, yeah, yeah. because Fallon actually is upset. So Harrison's like, oh, it'll be fine. She'll be pleased for me about this radio thing. And then actually Fallon rings her mum and is very upset. And then Kenton sticks his beak in and tells Fallon to chill. Mm. Um, and he also now tries to counteract Jolene's plans. Not counteract Jolene's plans. What's he... What am I trying to say? Trying to scupper her plans um, mm. to get this peacock. Yeah, and 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 uh, Jolene has great tactic, which I enjoyed, which was the uh, using social media, um, which mm. I think, you know is nowadays a, a powerful weapon, um, <laughs> either for good or bad. Um, but at this in this case, uh, Jolene is desperate competition for naming the peacock. So she's basically decided mm. in some deal they're getting the peacock and then open it up to the public in the hope that, you know, that Kenton can't let down the public if there's been a competition to name it, um, yes. which I think is genius. Well done, Jolene. Well done, Jolene. And also, I think, because she's been listing um, sort of the, the bad qualities about Kenton. I don't know whether she does this in this episode or another one, but... One of the things she lists is that Kenton cares too much about what other people think of him. Yes, and uh, yeah, caring about what people think about him. And I think that sort of shows in the fact that he he thinks he should be on the radio. He should, thinks he should be <laughs> yeah. the guest. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm the publican. I know I can talk to people and be a fantastic guest. And, and I think you're right that that's all from this sort of desire to be liked. And yeah, mm. I, I, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not a massive fan of Kenton. I know you quite like Kenton, and he always mixes things up whenever he gets involved. Um, but I, I find him quite boyish in his attitudes and quite sort of, um, yeah, I don't know. I can imagine he hasn't changed loads and loads in, in the years since he was a, a teenager. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think that's a very good point, yeah. I mean, he has his abilities, doesn't he, to be supportive and stuff with drummer with Shula and Alistair and when Alistair yeah there was a worry about the gambling and stuff but you're right he his attitude is often to go in quite hot uh to be quite self very confident in himself and his feeling is that Harrison you know needs his advice absolutely and and he knows exactly how Harrison should deal with this radio thing and you are just a bit like all right Kenton I think I like him as a character in narrative and in story because, mm. like I said, you know, we said he makes things happen and he stirs the pot a little bit. But you're right. I don't know if we're in real life I would have a lot of patience for him. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think that's that's fair. And it's interesting what you say about the confidence there because, you know, we'll we'll, we'll delve a little bit more into into Harrison's personality a little bit later on. But but it, those sorts of differences between the two of them. I think is another kind of theme of the week. Mm. Yes. And and Harrison, meanwhile, is sort of trying to work out what he's going to say um, on the radio. Um, oh, yeah. And I think, to be fair to Kenton, it's not not exactly sounding promising. No, he's he's sort of running out of things to say. He's already just like, oh, God, all I've done today is deal with a neighbourly dispute where two people have a go at each other with hedge trimmers or something and um and he, but he's like I can't back down now because uh the, sort of my boss knows about it the whole force knows about it well the whole force I mean the Ambridge force and I've got to prove myself to Fallon he's got this idea that he needs to prove himself to Fallon that he's out there being a bit of a hero yeah that's really interesting actually isn't it because I think sometimes you I I don't know I guess you want to you want to you still want to be shown off a little bit like you were when you mm. first met or you know um mm. and, you, and you want to elicit pride and um and it may well be that you know he tells Fallon a lot about you know everything what he does every day um so much so that it becomes a little bit dull for her so he's I don't know it's quite sweet actually I thought he was you know he wants to make her proud mm, I think it's lovely and they are sort of Whilst they've been together a few years, they've they're only recently married. So I imagine I wouldn't know. You'll know better this better than me. But there's sort of a feeling of being newlyweds. You know, it's actually still really exciting, and mm. it's only been a year, I think. And 
you kind of you know there's a whole new level of butterflies in your tummy I imagine yeah yeah definitely briefly before moving on Tuesday so you you, mm. you you touched on the trimmer story but I I just want to say how much oh, I yeah. enjoyed Mrs Lynch and Mr Duncan um and their shared hedge <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which uh, at one point sounded like they were going to turn the hedge trimmers on each other. Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> but also, I've written in my notes. I think my 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 um, computer, you know, changed my word because I wanted to write trim. She trimmed Mr. Duncan's hedge, but I've hmm. written trimmed Mr. Duncan's headgear, which is a far <laughs> more dangerous pursuit, I imagine. <laughs> And then he'd hacked into her topiary and then there was threat of violence from Mrs. L. Um, and it was very silly. I mean, he says it's, he's worried that it's dull, but to me it doesn't sound like an easy thing to no, kind of absolutely. sort out because, you know, lockdown's been great, community's been great and everything, but there's nothing quite like a neighbourly dispute. Mm, yeah, I, we, I think we get a little bit of, um, you know, uh, community not being so good throughout this week, I think, don't we, with the archers? But that will that will mm. come a little bit for later on. It will um, come. So yes, now that we've now that we've talked about uh, Mrs. Lynch and Mr. Duncan's hedge, on to Tuesday's episode. No, I'm glad you did that. <laughs> <laughs> on to Tuesday's episode. Uh, we've got David Archer back. He's having a bit of a tough one. Ben has gone to help pick fruit with Adam, and Josh is on an urgent egg delivery. Um, and he's, he's obviously, you know, he needs to get a load of stuff done or something. But he also lets us know that Jolene started this competition to name the peacock. Um, and he knows that Kenton didn't want the peacock, but he's totally on board with it. So once again, you know, people are ganging up on Kenton. Although, like like you say, I don't think it's sort of a, a poor Kenton situation. It's more like I imagine people enjoy the opportunity to get one over on Kenton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, but he gets interrupted from his sort of his rambling thoughts um, by, Bri- by a phone call from Brian. Um, and it sounds mm. like some, something, something urgent is happening, but we're, we're not told just yet what that is um, because mm. we get taken over to um, Elizabeth. I was, <laughs> Elizabeth, who was sat by the lake with a mug of tea <gasps> in the morning sun. And it just sounded <sighs> lovely. Were you doing that when you were in the Lake District? Um, it was, there wasn't much morning sun to worry about, uh, I'll sure. admit. Um, and uh, we did all right. We did go for a swim in one of the lakes in Oldswater. Did you? Um, yeah, Oldswater, no. Yeah, we climbed up up Helvellyn. Um, we didn't. Mm. We, we turned back at near the top because it was so much low cloud and wind and stuff. Um, that well we done. Sort of didn't, did, yes, sort of sensibly turned 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 back, but got got pretty high. And by the time we got back into the valley, there was, there was a bit of sun breaking through, and it got warm. Um, so yeah, we ended up going for a swim in swim in the lake, which was bitterly oh. cold, <laughs> really, really cold. <laughs> but I think worked as quite a nice ice bath after our kind of um, overworked leg muscles um, had taken us up and down a mountain. So um, it was very enjoyable. Um, but what I oh, didn't well manage, I don't think, was a Mr. Darcy uh, dive into the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's obviously the big question. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 um, no kind of, you know, wet see-through shirt coming out of the water either, unfortunately. Um, unlike Nigel Pargeter, <laughs> which Elizabeth is reminiscing about, which is really sweet. I know. Um, although she says it's not quite the same either, um, but it was still romantic. And it's sort mm. of really lovely. She has this moment when she's, you know, reminiscing about Nigel. And then she sort of moves on to thinking about how she could talk to Jolene because actually she remembers that Jolene lost Sid, which is something we sort of went over a couple of weeks ago, isn't it, George? Because we Mm. were a bit confused as to who Sid was. And then we found out that Sid used to run the pub and he'd been married to somebody else and then had ended up with Jolene. I think it was Kathy. And then in the end, when Kathy had ended up with Kenton and now Jolene and Kenton are together or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think so. And Elizabeth is remembering that, you know, Jolene can still talk about Sid with a lot of love and enthusiasm, and then in the same breath can be discussing Kenton and how much she loves him too, and doesn't feel any guilt about it. And I think that she's like, well, maybe it's okay then. You know, I I miss Nigel and I love Nigel, and I'm remembering wonderful things mm. about him, but it's okay 
to also look for love in the present day. And uh, yeah. so she decides to dive into online dating. Very There's a good. lot of puns this week. It was. There were a lot of puns. I did, I did laugh out loud quite a few times listening to this week's episodes. There were, there were some really <laughs> enjoyable bits. Um, yeah. And she doesn't, and she sort of feels Nigel's approval, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. In a sort of a slightly, in a, in, in you know, in a way that Nigel would do, which I think is sort of slight, gently taking the mick a little bit. And uh, I don't know. I think mm. his she can feel his sense of humour, but also, yeah, like you say, real approval. Um, mm. So yeah, that's def- that was that was sweet. And she then has to, like you were talking about, you touched on, have a moment of self reflection because she, you know, she's got to come up with this dating profile. Um, oh yeah. Which I must admit, I've never, I've never done. I can imagine it's no. quite a. It's a hard thing to do. She's got to come up with three. You've got to describe herself in three words, isn't it? Three. How can you possibly sum up your entire personality with three words? Um, I think it's a total nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you want to be positive. Yes, positive about yourself. You know, to sell sell your wares. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then also not sound arrogant as well. And you want to be honest, but you don't want to be like negatively honest. It just feels like a nightmare. And I think mm. I think you know there are different uh, ways of online dating, and maybe mm. you know this is the one that she's picked. They they make you do this, but it it does sound like it's sort of quite ubiquitous in all of the online dating things that you have to you have to represent yourself, and mm. I think that finding that balance of honesty positivity hum you know humility is it's just really really difficult yeah. i really enjoyed because she starts going through three word options and um and one of them she put for herself was busy and i was like mate oh, yeah. you can't say busy <laughs> that comes in later doesn't it busy is such a terrible one but i really enjoyed when she said slim practical decent like a mid-range bathroom cabinet <laughs> Absolutely, I really. Yeah, that was one of my one of my laugh out loud moments. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, really sweet. And she's also, I think, she's also done the thing that I would probably do in this situation, which is there's there's been some prompt to pick a photo, and she's been like, "Well, I'll come to that later." <laughs> you know, yeah. definitely not. I mean, that's what a nightmare that is. Try and actually pick a photo for yourself. Says, "Well, dear, to get into it a little bit before picking your photo." Yes, I mean, we know as actors, you know, you pick your headshot oh, and it true. is impossible because you're like, well, this one, I look gorgeous. And your agent or your friend gently mentions that maybe it's a little bit more flattering than is natural. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, no, I don't look like this all the time. They're like, it might not be a fair representation. I was like, oh, God, how depressing. Um, and then you pick another one and someone goes, Oh, your eyes are a bit weird in that one, or your hair looks silly, and you think, "Oh my god, it's impossible!" Yeah, absolutely, absolutely impossible. nightmare. And you just look at and because because when you have your shoot, you have hundreds of photos taken. So you have oh to my sit god. there and scroll through pages and pages of your own face in slightly different <laughs> <laughs> orientations and positions, and oh, oh. Dreadful. dreadful. Oh yeah, it's an absolute nightmare. And then, so now, hold on, so. We've also got, running through this episode, Kenton is coming up, like you mentioned earlier, a plan for Harrison. And he thinks that Harrison should be exciting and dangerous and a hero, you know, but with a bit of heart, returning lost cats to lonely granddads. Um, and, you know, apparently Fallon will like that. That's, that's, I I, thought, yeah, I'm never quite sure about Kenton lending a hand. <laughs> it's always slightly, <laughs> slightly dangerous territory. And I've just spotted, I, I've only just realised you're right with that sort of reflecting on yourself. When you said that, I thought about Elizabeth only, but actually how Harrison reflects on himself as well is, yeah, sorry, mm. very good. You're, you're very clever. Um, oh, well. thank you. Um, and then he really wants Harrison to tell Susan how he's helped to maybe get on the radio himself. Yes, he does that sort of classic getting carried away as well. So, so, so Harrison can tell Susan. Susan will tell Danny, and then Danny will get me on the radio, and I'll be, <laughs> um, and I'll be a radio star. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, so he's helping, but uh, you do feel mm. like there's, <laughs> there's a fair bit of um, self-interest there as well. Yeah, 
and uh, and then he's he's talking about he's preparing deliveries and he's which he drops in some information here, George. And I feel like this is a the storyline that you're interested in. I don't know why I think this. Um, but he drops in that Shula got in on the ordination training in September. Absolutely, yeah. I was I was totally invested in that, and that it was really it's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder whether we'll get a bit of Shula next week, um, mm. which, which would be nice. Because yes, we we sort of we've not been told that openly, have we? But it's obviously been a success, which is fantastic. And uh, mm. she's gonna gonna start her ordination training, which is very exciting. I'm excited for Shula. I want to send her a little card. I send her a little congratulations card. Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like Shula, of all people, would really appreciate that as well. Mm. The Stables, Ambridge. <laughs> oh, the Stables, Ambridge. Shula, it'll get to her, definitely. Just like all those letters for Father Christmas. Indeed, yes. Mm. So then we come on to come back to David. I think, oh, yes, we? that's right. Yeah, we do. Which, and, the, and having been laughing, this bit just sort of made me fume a little bit and, and, and get a bit angry because um, mm. we've got to we've got to and this I think again is a little bit of a um, uh, public service broadcasting moment um, from the archers because uh, they've come across some fly tipping in one of the fields mm. and Brian has been on the combine harvester and he's come over a, over a, you know into a little divot in the field and he's gone straight into this pile of of rubbish that somebody's just dumped there. Mm. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. The, 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 uh, well, <laughs> obviously we, you know, it's all, it's horrible. We all know that it's horrible, but just, I just, the selfishness of it. And there's so much of it. And, you know, you see these, these piles of, piles of rubbish all over the place. I mean, even, you know, to a, to a, I guess, in a lesser extent, but just people leaving their rubbish around parks and things, which seems to have happened mm. so much over the last few weeks. The park yeah. that we go and run around, and you just sort of run around these plastic bottles, and, and how someone could just sort of have a picnic, get up from their picnic, and look look down and see, you know, oh, plastic bottle of crisp wrapper. Yeah, that seems all right, and they just kind of wander off. I don't, I just don't understand it. Um, sorry, I'm getting on my high horse here. Um, well, it's interesting. We found a, I found a real sticking point for you, but I'm with you. You know, I just remember maybe because when I was at primary school, I was in the Lake District, and I think hmm. that's the countryside. Um, there was just such a focus on that kind of thing. You know, you don't go to to the countryside, to the to the hills or the forest or whatever you're going to the park. And you, if you bring something, you have to take it away again because the countryside, you need to leave it as you found it. And that was just drilled into me that I, I find it absolutely shocking. And then also because they used to tell us stories of, you know, the idea of like a little hedgehog getting stuck in a crisp packet. Mm. And, I, and that stayed with me forever. So then I'm just like, well, I've got to bring it because what if I kill a mouse or a hedgehog? Yeah. Um, yeah. But maybe maybe other people don't get that same sort of drilling if they don't go to primary school in the countryside, and you know maybe that's sort of a privilege that I have. But I'm with you, and I find it it makes me quite stressed for David because I think something the archers have done is teach me a bit more about what it might be like for farmers in in real life and how everything is so precarious. And you know we've been talking about getting the barley in, and they work so hard to try and make sure they don't get a black grass or that they're worried about the rain and that they're, they're working so hard to make sure everything is perfect. And then as soon as it's the perfect time to get the barley in, mm. you know, there's this fly tipper thing and they're the ones that have to pay for it. They're the ones who have to physically pay for it in, in money, but also in their time. It's a whole day wasted. Yeah. And then there is glass found in the depths of the combine, which means that there must be ground glass, Oh, goodness, this is another tongue twister. There's glass there found go. in the Good depths luck. of the combine <laughs> and ground glass in the grain, Ooh. which means that the whole lot of it has to go in the dump because you couldn't possibly, you know, sell or use the grain that might have bits of glass in, I imagine. I mean, it's, yeah, I felt I felt David's rage here. Mm. It's such a shame. Um, and uh, but, but, but thankfully, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't blame Brian for it at all because he's also, you know, there's no way Brian could have avoided it because he'd just come over the over that a little hill hillock or whatever so um yeah just a, a real shame but he sort of you know wants to try and work out who did it 
as well, mm. if possible. And if we skip to the end, yeah, he finds some junk mail. Yes, which is a foolish thing to chuck out, you think. You think, well, mm. who, would, who, would, who would chuck out a load of their rubbish and, um, and throw out some of their mail with their address on? Mm. Surely that's stupid. Mm. Um, and it's Beechwood. He, yes. sort of, he sort of trails off, doesn't he? And we hear his shock at who it is. Um, but we know that they're in Beechwood. Now, who do we know that lives in Beechwood? Well, there's only really three people. You've got Kirsty, Philip, no and way it'd be Kirsty. No way it'd be Kirsty. Not a chance. Mm. Yeah, but then with the gasp, you might be like, "He's finding that so unbelievable because it's well, Kirsty." Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. I was with you. I didn't think it was Kirsty. I thought I actually thought, "Oh my goodness, it could be Philip," because yeah. you know, Philip's we know now is a bit more dastardly than we all believed. Absolutely. Um, but, of course, he's probably too clever for it. And then you think, oh, no. But is Joy Horville really capable? I mean, yeah, is she that sort of m- m- evil, you know? Well, yeah, but I think also just physically capable of carrying it wherever, whatever this rubbish is. There's a load of stuff in there. You know, just mm. going out to the middle of a field and dumping it, I'm not sure. But we shall, yeah. we shall maybe we'll find out. Doo-doo-doo. Indeed. Um, also, just to go back slightly... Um, there are now 175 name suggestions for this peacock, which I think for a, a, a country pub is a pretty good, pretty good effort. I'd have said. Yeah, I think it's pretty impressive, and they get a name from somebody in Inverness or something like that. You know, Fife or something like that. Because <laughs> um, somebody suggests John. I'm surprised I didn't get something like peak. How would it be peacocky McPeacocky face? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should you should be able to enter the competition. <laughs> Curses. <laughs> um, and then, but then he comes up with a plan, doesn't he? He says, "Well, the bird's going to need an aviary because he's feeling that that Jolene's a bit ahead of him on this one. So the bird's mm. going to need an aviary. So I'll pretend to have changed my mind, but then I'll string the whole thing out. I'll build it with some crazy avocado wood, which won't be delivered till November. And by then we'll be decked out with tinsel and drinking mulled wine and the whole thing will be over. Which I think is quite dastardly, you know, for Kenton and quite a good plan. But also freaked me out because I could not get over. That moment I almost stopped in my tracks (laughs) on the street because I was like, what? What? You what you cannot be thinking about Christmas. This year hasn't started yet. Like we only just had Christmas about five minutes ago. This 2020 doesn't count. Oh my god. That's <laughs> just like well no, but actually it's true, you know. Yeah. I mean I, I it is July. We've still got quite a while, but I just thought, oh my god, people are thinking about Christmas. I'm gonna go and see my dad today, and he's gonna ask me what my plans are for Christmas. I know it. It's mm. gonna happen. Oh my word. Where did 2020 go? Oh, oh no. Don't start. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. There's still time for it to redeem itself in some way. (sighs) Indeed. Very strange. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for archers. Anyway, hope hope everyone listening is nice and relaxed after that. (laughs) My old recap (laughs) from Charlie. Um, Sorry, everyone, but I felt like I could share it with you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Right now, let's move on to Wednesday's episode. Indeed, yes. Um, and then we, by this point, I was quite interested because we haven't actually heard from Fallon at all this week, have we? So no, we, don't we, we hear that. that, you know, she's not, she's still not talking to Harrison. She, um, he's kind of having, a, he's sort of getting a little bit um, worried about the fact that she's not talking to him. Um, mm. Because she, because he's, you know, he's still planning to do this interview, but there's no re- way of getting out of it. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember what it was at this point, but he sort of seems to be hoping that time will do its job in terms of getting her forgiveness. He doesn't seem to be doing anything mm. particularly proactive in terms of apologising or, um, or, or, tr- or trying to change plans. He's just sort of hoping that, you know, give it a bit of time and, and maybe she'll forgive me. Um, but she hasn't yet. Mm. And he mentions that he's been working so much recently and um, he's sort of regretting doing the interview a little bit. And also he's annoyed with being bothered by Kenton because mm. um, he doesn't really want to try and spin the work that he does into something more adventurous and action-packed you know it doesn't feel right because, and also his boss would know and he doesn't think Fallon would be impressed if he starts lying so he resigns himself to being um, conventional or boring mm. or something 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which I think is fine. I think that's, you know, don't don't try and be somebody you're not. It's a good lesson there. Um, and also, I think people think that they're boring and they're not boring. Like, I meet people who, when, you know, to be fair, like they go, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm an actor. And, and I can understand that sounds pretty exciting and glamorous, although you most of the time when you're an actor, you spend most of the time not actually being one. Um, but when I meet somebody who says their job and they go, oh, I'm, I'm really boring, it's a really boring job, it rarely is. It's usually really interesting. It's just that because they do it every day, they don't think it's exciting. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Mm. I think you just get, mm. get used to your own thing, don't you? Um mm. Nobody wants to hear an actor go on about acting for, for too long. <laughs> no, it's God, not no. ever the most interesting. Um, no. Oh, but you are you're you've got you're doing some. You go going down to the Minac, is that right? Yes, um, mischief movie night, the improvised comedy show that mischief theatre do and make, and that I have been in numerous times, is going to the Regents. Park Open Air Theatre and the Minac down in Cornwall, which is funny enough where I visited just before lockdown hit, um, which was very exciting. Excellent! I'm so pleased. Mm. Uh, Well, thank you. Well, there you are, listeners. Get yourself if you're down in town, Cornwall way, um, come September or London way, end of August, is it? I'm doing your doing your plugging for you here. You know more about it than I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just such a big fan, you know. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Very cool. I mean, I'm just excited oh, to see theatre back, to be honest, in, in, in whatever form it takes. Yeah, right. um, so, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Mm. But then you, there's some theatre, there's some dramatics Ooh, in very the good. Archers. Very good. Well, you see. <laughs> because David yeah. is preparing himself to confront Joy. So it was Joy Horville. Um, but I mm. found this a bit really interesting. I think he's driving. And I thought it was very clever because... As he practices this speech, he does actually inform the public, you know, this sort of public service thing. He informs us how dangerous it is to do fly tipping, particularly in the countryside. You know, how actually somebody um, a couple of years ago dumped a load of yew tree clippings. I think it's yew. Which killed four cows. Mm. Which is amazing, isn't it? Because... You wouldn't know that, you know, you wouldn't know that. And it just shows shows how dangerous this is because, you know, you're 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 going onto an animal's, you know, turf, literally, and dropping mm. a load of stuff you don't really know what it's gonna do. I mean I so I was reminded so so he ends up doing this kind of big um kind of speech you're practicing the speech. He turns up at Joy's door, does the speech, mm. um and gets kind of a long way through, and I and I was I was reminded of because he also went round with the Chinese lanterns went when because there were Chinese lanterns weren't there? Um, oh yeah, remember that where that they was that that was a I know a wire frame and the cow was that not Tony? Oh, was that Tony? Still Sorry. though, this is yeah. the second time Joe has been <laughs> Joe. Yes. This is the second time that Joy has been. Um, harangued at yes, her door right. by a, by an irate farmer. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a bit, yeah, a bit sorry oh, for joy. her because ultimately, obviously, it wasn't her. Which, which, <laughs> which David realizes was it was ridiculous to 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 assume that she could have just gone and dumped this stuff. But what she's actually done is she's been taken in by a con man, uh, well, con man or yeah. woman. Not assuming yeah. that only you know, you know, women can Thank be con you. con people too. Um, exactly, it's all right. <laughs> very important. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, whoever it is, has come along and said, "Okay, we'll take away your rubbish. You need you pay us a bit of money, and we'll go and take it to tip for you." Um, which is a you know is a service that uh, people do provide. But mm. um, but they've they've they're, they're completely illegal, and you know they've taken the money, and then they've actually just dumped dumped the rubbish illegally. Um, I know, and it, which is something that happens, and I think it is you know it's, again it's a, a bit of a public public service broadcasting again um which is yeah, just be careful i don't know how you how you be careful with those sorts of things but um yeah you can't trust everybody that just come and knocks on your door well that's it maybe you can do a bit of google searching and stuff like that because we had to get people to do that once and it, we were a bit concerned but we found this you know at least we could 
look at a website or something but it's it's very difficult to know i think because once the rubbish leaves your house you unless you follow it which sort of mm. defeats the point of asking someone else to do it in the first place you know you can't ever know but um but i think during lockdown actually the idea of uh, particularly older people who live on their own being conned by various different things yeah. is on the rise i mean there's been some hmrc conning which of course really gets people because they've paid their tax bill and then they get this call saying you owe us actually a bit more mm. and everyone's so frightened not to pay their tax bill yeah to, you know we would know being self-employed that you go oh absolutely and you just immediately pay it yeah um and then older people have been caught by scammers a lot because particularly i think you know when when david turns up he mentions oh joy was so excited to see someone at her front door mm. and she offered him a socially distanced cupcake so yeah. that's what makes her even more vulnerable to someone taking advantage because she's just so excited to see someone yeah and she's probably offered the con man uh, a cupcake as well i can imagine and oh. and no doubt they will have been they will have been incredibly charming and and lovely when you know when they need to be but then i you know obviously turn away and say you know probably overcharged for for the service anyway and then mm. um and then legally dumped it so and you mentioned oh. somebody else somebody else has also been taken in as well haven't they so um yeah, yeah it's a real uh yeah rogue traders not 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 very pleasant not very pleasant not very pleasant although it is a scene i kind of wish we'd heard that's the only thing that i feel we lost in uh in this lockdown episode was i would have yeah. enjoyed listening to this scene it sounds absolutely hilarious and what is it david says it was ridiculous, you know, both of us at a distance shouting apologies at each other, um, <laughs> which I thought was really cute. And he's told her to ring a daughter um, mm. and says, you know, get some sympathy from her and, and let her sort of say nasty farmer because you deserve to hear that, actually. And yeah. and then he feels really terrible, but he does, he does just find it hilarious. Yes. Bless. <laughs> bless Joy and bless David as well. Mm. Um but in the meantime, we've. Uh, I quite like. I quite like the fact that Kenton thinks he's got one up on Jolene. So, you know, he's got this has a great idea about ordering the avocado wood, and Jolene just sees straight through. She just knows him too well. So there's no chance you're going to get away with that one. Um, so she's sort of like, yeah, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, but she's also helping out, um, helping out Elizabeth with her dating profile. That's right. Um, so she gets this email from Elizabeth and, oh dear, what she's written sounds a bit lacklustre. And in, it's here, isn't it? She's written busy. Yeah. Not, not, oh not, not a strong, uh, <laughs> not strong marketing, I don't think. Um, no. It's just, it's just not, it's just not great, is it? She's just, like you say, she's just not got that balance between real realism and and actually, you know, selling yourself i think asking somebody for help is a really good idea because actually somebody like jolene who also you know has been there for elizabeth through um when she's been unwell in recent years i think is is, is really helpful and, and having somebody can step back and say here are the really positive things about you here's what here's mm. what i really love about you i think is 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 a good idea um yeah. i can't remember what says what does she end up saying she's spirited woman with a generous heart yes yeah and 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 something like secretly passionate or something like that or oh yeah i can't remember exactly what the phrase was i've not written it down secretly like fiery or yeah something, you know yeah mm. which is great I and it was lovely yeah absolutely really lovely and um it sort of reminds us about how jolene was the one who really helped elizabeth and got through to her when Elizabeth was battling with depression because wasn't it, you know, Jolene kept popping over and just sort of slowly, calmly, quietly just pressing the idea that, that Elizabeth could ask for help. Mm. She wasn't going in all guns blazing, let me fix it for you. She yeah. just kept showing Elizabeth that she was there for her, just kept turning up and it really did help. Um, and so it's sort of nice to remember that connection that these two people have with each other. And she even says that Elizabeth is her favourite archer, <laughs> uh, including Kenton, you know. But I think what's nice about that is that, I don't know, you know, I can't speak for people who suffer from depression, but I don't think it's unfair to say 
that somebody who suffers from depression might worry about you know not being very fun to be around mm. or something like that yeah. which they shouldn't worry about but i i think they might and then actually the arch just tells us you know elizabeth with her depression still jolene's favorite archer in many ways you can always be somebody's favorite mm. and it doesn't make you any less fun or any less lovable yeah. if you suffer from some anxiety or depression or any mental health um, conditions. So I thought that was very nice. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. They're really, really lovely. Even she takes a little moment as well, Jolene, to sympathise with Kenton mm. and remembers that um, yes. actually the peacock was Sid's. So mm. it might feel a little bit, that might have been why Kenton's never really warmed mm. to the peacock and... Um, and I think yeah. something really interesting she says, I'm sorry if you've said this now, I feel like maybe I missed it, but um, when she realised that she had feelings for Kenton after Sid died, she was really, really scared. And she realised that she was waiting for someone to give her permission. And actually, mm. she came to the conclusion that, it, you know, it's only herself that she needed to listen to. Mm. And uh, so she's got that ability to empathise with Elizabeth, which I think is really lovely. Yeah, absolutely, that sort of incredibly unfortunate and sad common ground mm. um mm. yeah absolutely um and 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 kind of i think we finish off the episode with with harrison still sort of worrying about fallon and uh, you know he sort of realized that actually she was really looking forward to this date night and he's kind mm. of taken that away from her um mm. i think that that understanding that actually you know she's worrying about the tea rooms but is just sort of stuck at home not really yeah. doing anything. Um, yeah. which, and meanwhile, he is sort of busier than he has been. You know, he, he's busy, re mm. more busy recently than he's ever been. Um, yes. You know, because yeah. presumably, you know, uh, emotions are heightened in this sort of lockdown environment. So, you know, it's lots of little things, but, you know, it's, it sounds fairly relentless. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it can be hard for the person left behind. Yeah, it? totally. Yeah, totally. Well, let's move on to Thursday. On to Thursday's episode, absolutely. Mm. And we've got Elizabeth is reading the reading the profile that Jolene's written for her. Mm. And it is flattering, isn't it? Really flattering, and it must be. And like you say, you know, it's probably lovely for her to hear these positive things that somebody else thinks about her. Yeah. Um, and once again, a classic Elizabeth. She's an enjoy. She's enjoying a lovely summer evening. Um, yeah, and it, I sort of started thinking, goodness, she does sound a little bit like she's in a Jane Austen novel. And then she comments <laughs> on that herself, you know, because she because <laughs> she gets poetic. And gosh, I really do need some real romance. Um, so she goes through her profile a bit now, using a lot of the things that Jolene said, but cuts a few little bits out, like ex seeking excitement in the bedroom and beyond, um, and changes bedroom to life. Yes, I think that's probably a, a wise wise decision I think, mm. I think you might <laughs> yes I don't know if she's looking for a you know looking for a partner and you know in life ahead not necessarily somebody who's just I think it I think the excitement in the bedroom might draw um some particular attentions on the dating profile um that she might not necessarily be interested in yes that aren't necessarily appropriate for Elizabeth at this time exactly yes, exactly mm. um, <laughs> but yeah but she's submitted it which is fantastic so I was really excited we'll kind of see how it See how it goes for her. Um, I remember Roy did a fair bit of it was years ago. I think Roy was doing some internet dating, and uh, I think so. Am I right? Because I think Phoebe helped with his profile. But he went on some kind of like, yeah, he went on a few kind of online dates, and uh, yeah, I remember it just being quite funny him coming back from these dates and be like, yeah. You know, <laughs> there are slightly, sometimes slightly funny characters. So we'll see how mm. Elizabeth gets on. See how Elizabeth gets on. Yeah. Fingers crossed for her. Mm, definitely. Um, and all Harrison wants to do is go home and cuddle Fallon. Is yeah. he in his car doing this radio program? Yes, I think he is, isn't he? Is he sort of? Is he? Yeah. He's in the car outside or something. Yeah, I, that, that, that's, that's the impression I got. But yes, mm. yeah, he's sort of doing the interview because presumably that's you know a quiet place to do it. Maybe he's been advised to do that by the uh, by the producers, by Danny. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's uh, in a, another bit of the bit of the week that kind of made me a little bit angry was the, the idea that somebody had slashed the tires of an ambulance parked outside oh. a hair home. 
Um, Honestly. And again, he's just sort of so, he's frustrated with it and he's, you know, I think more frustrated with the fact that he's not been able to find out who did it because how do you, presumably somebody's just run along, done it and then run off again. You know, it's not like yeah. you can take forensic evidence or anything like that. Um, so he's sort of feeling a little bit like a bit of a failure in some ways, mm. um, which is which is which is a shame. But uh, yes, getting ready for the interview. Yes, that's right. Getting ready for the interview. Fallon's he thinks is will not be listening to the program. He's just keen to get over it. And um, but yeah, he's feeling like quite the failure, sadly. And mm. then what I found quite amusing was then we when we moved over to Kenton, who's listening to the radio. The music was, um, I need a hero. I'm holding up for a hero. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> They've obviously put um, a lot of thought into their music choices, haven't they? <laughs> I, I must they, I didn't spot that one, but that's very good. <laughs> I've enjoyed them a lot. Um, and Kenton's keen, you know, he's like, come on, Harrison, leave out the boring bits, put in the drama. Um, and, of course, then David turns up delivering a load of wood for the yeah. aviary. Because we know that Jolene saw through him and now he knows too. And she's told the whole country how he's embraced the idea of the peacock. Uh, they've got all this wood so that they can make the aviary quickly. Um, and she even wants photos of him building it for the website. She's got him. Absolutely. She's won this one. I think she has. And he's, he's sort of, I think he's slowly accepting that, isn't he? Um, mm. There's no way out now because otherwise he'll just look like mm. a real grump. <laughs> um, yeah. to everybody to all the sundry but when Harrison starts talking um, I thought you might have something to say about this because Kent is not pleased that he's apologising and explaining and he should use strong action words like tackle and wrestle and fight and you do workshops don't you for young men about um, mm. masculinity don't you yeah. and I felt like this might be an example of that where Kenton's Focused yeah. on the macho side of masculinity. Oh, totally. It's um, it's uh, the way that um, boys and men tend to be conditioned um, by 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 the society around us um, is to think about these sorts of slightly aggressive things, and 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 quite often our emotions tend to get funneled towards anger before they're funneled towards anything else. So. If you're mm. feeling a little bit embarrassed, that very easily turns to anger. And if you're feeling sad, again, kind of turning it into anger. So these things like tackle, wrestle, fight are all quite aggressive things. And mm. and and actually, it's a it's a it's not the right, the right way. I can imagine it's not the right way for a policeman to be uh, to be tackling these things. If if a policeman, you know, is feeling you know, angry more times than he is um, sad or embarrassed or, or tired or whatever it is, um, that, then it's a slightly dangerous thing for them to be out in the, out in, I mean, it's, you know, probably less so in, in Ambridge. Um, but I don't know, we, you know, we've, one of the situations in the world at the moment, isn't it, is, is the behaviour of mm. police force um, all around the world. Mm. And, and I, I, I do think generally, I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a difficult topic to discuss without knowing knowing enough about it. But um, you know, if a police police officer resorts to anger before they um, move away to you know diplomacy, <laughs> I think is one mm. of the words that Harrison uses, isn't it? Um, yeah. Then it's never going to you're always going to escalate the situation rather than. Um, de-escalate it and, and, and yeah. surely that is what the policemen are there for anyway that's it I mean yeah. we, we, we do we do kind of three hour workshops about masculinity so I've given a little little three minute spiel there um, <laughs> um, which I hope made, made vague sense but but yeah definitely you're right it's it's Kenton's kind of pushing that sort of macho bravado um, face yeah. on things um, and 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 Harrison is not that person um, which we'll hear about a little bit more in a minute I think yeah Thank you for that. That was really interesting. So, yeah, Harrison is talking. And interestingly, then Harrison doesn't do what Kenton says at all. Mm. Because he talks about people fighting over the bins. But eventually, 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 he starts talking about how he got into policing. Mm. And actually, he was bullied as a child quite badly, as a, as a young teenager as well. And he talks about how he was scared and about the dread, you know, every morning and pretending to his mum that everything's okay and wanting, just wishing that someone would come along and stop the bullies. 
Um, and then when he moved school into sixth form, he got into singing and acting and it didn't matter anymore about what people thought of you, which I thought was quite interesting, considering how Jolene had mentioned that Kenton cares about that kind of thing mm. and how now Harrison was in a place where it didn't matter what people thought. That was a much more positive experience. He got his confidence back and he swore that he'd never ignore someone else in trouble. Mm. Um, and he doesn't like the idea of someone feeling powerless. And he gives a really lovely speech about that and why he got into being a policeman. I thought it was I thought it was really lovely. <laughs> that was a really lovely bit mm. of bit of um bit of writing and, and the way he performed it as well, because it wasn't, you know, didn't kind of go over emotional with it. Um, which uh, you know some people might have been like, Oh, you know, this is his emotional bit, so I'm gonna make it really emotional. But actually he's just kind of quite open and and mm. um and, and generous with his emotions and and his feelings and how he felt at the time and then just that idea of being different um i think that was it you know when he before he got to sixth form college he was different and that was the reason the only reason that people picked on him um yeah. i'm fortunate enough that i was never never bullied at school um but i was you know i sang in the choir and i did did drama obviously those weren't always the coolest things to be doing mm-hmm. um but I kind of, you know, had a had a strong group around me. But um, I think it, I think it's difficult to be be different. And uh, mm. and he only, yeah, on reaching sixth form, realised that actually being different is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think if we being can, it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if we can kind of, if if children can appreciate that a bit more, then that would be that would be great. And interestingly, you know what this like. This approach, not like Kenton's, this different approach, people respond to more. Mm. You know, people don't respond necessarily to lots of bravado and confidence and attack. But actually, when someone is vulnerable and honest, that's when people actually engage because they feel that there's a sort of space to engage and an invitation to engage because it's not so scary. It's like oh, you're vulnerable, well, I've been vulnerable and everybody feels more able to do that. And actually, this is at least the positive thing about Kenton. He doesn't stick to his guns here. He says, honest, vulnerable, brave. You know, he understands now. Harrison didn't need him and he's absolutely nailed it. Yeah, yeah, And I thought that was nice as well, that we didn't have Kenton sticking to his guns on that one. No, no, and I think, yeah, I think it was natural that he would would appreciate it and... And like you say, you appreciate it in somebody's text here. So, you know, we should have a round of applause on the doorstep for, for mm. um, PC Burns. Um, is it PC Burns or is he Sergeant now? I don't know. I think he might be Sergeant Burns he now. He did his training, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, people are obviously connecting to this, this story that he's telling on the radio. Far um, more. Connecting far more, I'm sure, than they would have been to the action hero who mm. feels like a different you know, person almost, whereas what he's shown is that he's like everyone, but he's looking after everyone and it's really, really nice. And then Kenton decides to get on board with the peacock. Um, But at the end, Harrison gives a shout out to Fallon, um, thanking her and wanting her to know that he loves her. And and then we just start to hear this, um, oh, the clapping and the, the, you know, banging of pots and pans and cheering. Um, and you realise that everybody has come out to their front door to applaud him and his work. And I found it quite moving, George. I did as well. Yeah, it was really lovely. Everyone has come out, including Fallon, who you mm. can sort of picture her coming across the lawn. Um, and he sort of says, I've got to go. I've got to go. Got to go and speak to my wife. Um, so a really lovely end to the week. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's fair. I really enjoyed this week's episode. So I thought that was lovely. It had a really nice arc to it, didn't it? You know, where it started to where it ended. I thought at the beginning of the week that it might be a bit um, too much fluff. Mm. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't really see that it had the potential to have um, more depth. Yes. As much depth as it did. Yeah, the things that you picked out about relationships, you know, and looking for relationships and also reflecting on, your, you know, yourself and your own self-worth, mm. I think is uh, is really well yeah, well picked out, and that's uh, that's obviously what they were going for, and I think they Indeed. got there. <laughs> Me too. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and um, maybe you can take some time, grab a cup of tea and another biscuit, and uh, maybe give yourself a pep talk. 
don't feel so bad. You know, you're you're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't feel like you need to describe yourself in three words because I feel like that's you know. Yes. <laughs> give yourself five <laughs> at least. Um, at least five words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have a wonderful week, uh, and thank you, George. Thank you, Charlie. Love George. <laughs> <laughs> Love Charlie. <laughs> Bye. Bye.